You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive being myself, clarity will love rock to watch him down and be J U I C Y. Hello, hello. Welcome to the GFR show. I am so excited to be here with you on video. And if you're listening to the audio, just know that in my YouTube channel is this video of this replay episode. But these are not just your normal replay episode. We actually ask our guests to come back and share with us the lessons they have learned since they recorded the original episode. So this episode is from four years ago. It's one of the, our first episodes that we ever released of the show back in 2019. Our guest was named Emerald Green Forest at the time. <laughs> and the name of the episode was From Trauma Addicted Worried Mom to Wealthy Life Mentor. And since then, this guest has changed her name to Angel B. Hartwell. Now, in the first episode, she shares about changing her name to Emerald Green Forest and shares a really interesting story about how it came about and why she went through all the trouble to do that and really how significant it was for her. And then once again, she was led to change her name and she's going to share with you that story as well. And I just think it's cool as shit that she's willing to go through the trouble. It's a lot of trouble to change a name to really be congruent and aligned with what she's calling herself, and what people call her and the power of names. And she talks about that actually in both episodes. So I'm, I'm excited for you to get to hang out with us on video and listen to this episode again. If you've been through trauma, particularly with a child, you're going to find this episode inspiring, relatable, and probably will give you hope for what is possible in the future, regardless of you know what it looks like or what your experience is now. And of course, that's what the show is all about. So without further ado, I bring you Angel B. Hartwell. I, it is Angel B. Hartwell, and I am here to introduce myself again for the Get Fucking Real podcast. So first, I want to celebrate you, Lisa, and congratulate you. It's been, I guess, now four years, 2019, 2020, 21, 22, 23, yeah, four years since I did my episode with you, episode number 18. And obviously, some things have changed, including my name again. So Angel B. Hartwell arrived in 2020 during the pandemic. I was involved in a 
not a mastermind, but a membership group where I introduced myself as Emerald Green Forest and actually shared the story that was shared in this podcast episode. And somebody in the group suggested that I need psychotherapy. I needed psychotherapy, which I thought was kind of funny. But then I listened and I went back to my original therapist and she suggested that I needed to potentially do some name numerology on my name, Emerald Peaceful Green Forest at the time. And I discovered that Emerald Peaceful Green Forest by doing this name numerology thing through the Cabalarian Society, an organization that's been helping people with their names since the early 1900s, that Emerald Peaceful Green Forest was bad for everything. It was bad for my health. It was bad for money. It was bad for business. It was bad for relationships. And so after carrying that name for four years, I said, I don't need to do that. And so I made the change again. And this time, using the Cabalarian Society's process, I was given names to choose from. So what's really interesting about this is I was formerly Emerald Peaceful Green Forest in the episode you're about to listen to. And before that, I was Amethyst Wildfire. When I received Amethyst Wildfire, the name came down from above. When I received Emerald Peaceful Green Forest, the name bubbled up from below. When I became Angel B. Hartwell in 2020, it was a name that I chose for myself. And so I'm here to tell you, you can create change and still survive and thrive in doing so. That's one of the main points that I think I want to make for the listeners is that not to be afraid of making change, even substantial, significant change, like changing your name legally three times. And if I think about getting married and getting divorced, it's actually five times that I've changed my name legally, even when you're in business. And I will say that creating change, yes, of course, it takes courage, but it is also something that on the other side of you can celebrate. The whole phase of Emerald Peaceful Green Forest got me into podcasting. I'm now a nine-time award-winning podcaster with Wickedly Smart Women. The change of name to Angel B. Hartwell shifted everything for me financially and health-wise in miraculous ways. Literally within 10 days of changing my name to Angel B. Hartwell, I had uh, my first $25,000 client in like several years, several years. So I'm here to tell you that you can be courageous, that you can create conscious change, and that you can learn from each of your experiences and accept and allow and appreciate all of those experiences. While I was in the phase, the four-year phase of Emerald Peaceful Green Forest, it was really, it really was an opportunity because it was bad for my health. It really was an opportunity for me to look at my health and my well-being. So one of the things that's changed is I have become exponentially more aware of having my wealthy life by design include and incorporate physical well-being as my top priority. And then the third thing that I will say I learned in the last four years is we are so potent as creators that 
we must be clear about our criteria for what it is that we want to create both in the material world, but even more importantly, in the experiential world. And one of the things that I I wanted to create in the experiential world for me was more pleasure. So I ended up moving and I now reside in what I call the Palace of Pleasures. And that has given me the opportunity to not only discover all the places where I was punishing myself for taking pleasure and start to dismantle that, but also has opened me up to the discovery, the awe and wonder of the discovery of what actually does give me pleasure. So thanks for the opportunity to update everyone. And I celebrate you, Lisa, and definitely appreciate the opportunity to amplify and promote Wickedly Smart Women, my podcast, Leading Visionaries, my new podcast, The Wealthy Life Mentor, which is my brand and my lifestyle that I'm living right now, and also to celebrate you and all you've done to get fucking real and all of your listeners around the world who are actively engaging in getting fucking real themselves. I salute you. Hello, y'all. It's Lisa Cherney, and this is the Get Fucking Real Show. And I am so happy you're here and you're listening and you have me in your ear holes. And my intention is that what you hear today transforms your life in some way, big or small. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be a good mother and have a drug-addicted son? That's a puzzle for you, right? Can you even be a good mother and have a drug-addicted son? Well, that is part of the story that our guest today is going to share, and her name is Emerald Green Forest, and you may have known her in her past life as Amethyst Wildfire, and her name change is a significant part of her story, so she'll share how that even happened. She is known as the Wealthy Life Mentor. And she's an internationally recognized speaker, and she is the producer of her own podcast, actually not one, but two. One is called Wickedly Smart Women, and the other, which is ranked top 200 on Apple, is Men on Purpose. And she's hired regularly to consult with high-achieving change agents from all over the world who want to create a wealthy life, which she defines not just by money, but by the people in your life, by your energy, by the input you can take in, by your health, lots of different ways to define wealth. And she is one of those guests that I give a lot of credibility to because of her wormhole certification, the shit that she has been through, that she can come out the other side and talk credibly about wealth. And a lot of it has to do with trauma. She says that she was actually rooted in a mindset of scarcity and a lifelong cycle of abuse. And no matter what she did, she was constantly tolerating trauma and trapped in what she calls a victim role. It was only after her own child threatened her life that she was finally able to break free of the addiction to the trauma cycle. And she thinks and says and teaches now that was what was robbing her of her happiness, her fulfillment, and her freedom. And she and I have been in um, each other's lives for about 10 years. 
And I have seen her evolve and transform and up-level as an entrepreneur. I feel like this is her best version yet, just as uh, she acknowledges, she thinks that my GFR is my best version yet. And the whole theme of today's show really is about expressing your mission through your own journey and how you are supposed to serve people in the world. And she's eloquent, she's real, she's woo-woo, she uses the word fuck a lot, which I love, and she is delight. I can't wait for you to meet Emerald Green Forest. Hello, it's Emerald Green Forest. Welcome to the Get Fucking Real show, my love. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to be here too. I feel like it punctuates or is among many punctuations in our like 10 year journey of knowing each other and working together and playing together and you mentoring me and me mentoring you and all the ways that we have expressed our missions over the years. I was going to say reinvent, but you know, I don't like that word. <laughs> In this moment, I'm not liking that word because it's such an evolution, right? And it's, I'm sure, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have evolved. We just continue to evolve and evolve. And it's not about reinvention, which to me is more mechanicalized. Uh, it's definitely much more organic for both of us, I'm sure. Yeah. And I think for many of our listeners too, right? And sometimes we go into judgment about, oh, I'm, especially when it's a marketing or business, oh, I'm rebranding or I'm changing my expert title, you know, whatever. And it's like, yes, those things are important but even more important is congruency and alignment with where you are in your journey, which is of course what my original company conscious marketing was all about. So, so here we are in our current version and expression of our missions. <laughs> uh, we made it here after a decade. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. And you know, I was thinking about, you know, your expert title now is the wealthy life mentor. And I've said this to many of our guests is like, I will trust what you're saying more because of the trauma that you've had around that and because you've like freaking earned the right to say it than I would if I heard someone's story and it was just all about, oh yeah, I did this and I did that and I built this and I built that. And it's like, hey, if you, ha you don't have some grit and you haven't failed, <laughs> it's like, you know, and we call that, you know, we talk about our, our journeys that we share our GFR wormhole and people that have had that grit as a wormhole certified. It's like, if you're not wormhole certified, then I, it's almost like I don't want to listen. Do you feel like, do you feel more credible now after going through the, what we're going to share here in a little bit? Yeah. Well, I want to speak directly to what you just said. And that is that there is a huge difference between somebody who just slaps a sticker on themselves because it sounds good and somebody who's being intentional about claiming space that they have now taken. And I think that's the difference between, you know, what you were just describing there. And for me, you know, I had the title, I had claimed the title for a long time, the Empress of Empowerment. But then when I went, you know, through some stuff, so through another rite of passage in my evolution, you know, this is the new emerging name or place that I am standing in the marketplace and how I want to create my own life. And really what the Wealthy Life Mentor is all about is creating your life like it's a work of art. 
Beautiful. I love it. I love it. And many of our artists, famous artists are tortured souls. So <laughs> it totally aligns. It totally aligns. All right. So, so let's talk about your journey and, you know, we're going to talk about something that we call that, that you call a trauma cycle. I don't know if that's a general term, but I really resonate with what you're trying to express with that. And yeah, so share with us where you've come from and then we want to get around to sort of where you are now, but it's this, it's the journey of trauma for you that has you claiming this, you know what, I can freaking talk about wealth now. And I think there's a lot of people listening that may not want to talk about wealth, but just be wealth, <laughs> right? And feel like that they cannot claim that space or that mindset because of where they've come from. So I would, I, you know, my intention is that this is healing for those that are listening and be like, just leave that shit behind you and claim this new space. And here is Emerald to show you how. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess where I will start is, you know, I think what we really wanted to bring to light here with this interview was maybe two things. First of all, number one, that you can experience pretty much anything bad or good in your life and take from that and create, use, utilize that in, as a resource in order to create what you actually want to create a transformation in your life. And so part of what we talked about before we, we jumped into this interview was, you know, I've definitely experienced a life filled with trauma starting with my dad, who was a raging alcoholic, and my mom, who definitely had codependency issues and probably was borderline personality disordered, to, you know, various boyfriends who were abusive, a brother who sexually molested me, a guy that I was going to marry who was a drug dealer, and, you know, just all kinds of trauma experiences in my life that culminated with something that happened uh, with my own son. And so a lot of the trauma that I experienced was specific to being in relationship with men. And for me, men and money also got intertwined in some strange way. And the other piece that I want to just bring forth is that when you're in a trauma cycle, like one of the main things that I've done in the last almost 20 years of my life has been like, I'm aware, like I'm aware this isn't working. I'm aware this isn't working. I will do whatever it takes to create a life that actually works for me. And when you have been deeply enmeshed in multiple repeated traumas, it becomes like you have a blind spot, you know, you have another blind spot. And hopefully I'm at the point now where I have hit all 360 degrees of the blind spots <laughs> in terms of how trauma shows up. And ultimately, I also became self-traumatizing. And I played that out in my relationship with my business. So let me jump in here as I'm getting present to like this I picture of a before and after, which I know is not completely like, it's not just, you know, this duality that we're looking at. And I'm remembering, you know, I came to New Hampshire where you live, I think it was about 10 years ago. And, or maybe, yeah, I think it was. Do some work with you in the way that your business and your gifts, you know, you're offering them then in, you know, in the house that you were in and 
So can you give us a picture of like a little bit of a before, like before you realized, before this incident that you referenced around your son, which you'll share more about, like what did life and business look like before? And then I'd like to, you know, kind of give an after. Great. So what life and business looked like in the before, again, I've had a big, long history, but to position it in that time frame when you and I first connected, at that time, I was in a really exciting phase of my life because I felt called. I was so deeply called to serve people, other people who were called to become empowered, to become fearless. Like my mission, my life mission is to replace fear with love. That's my life mission, which is probably why all of the trauma has occurred because trauma creates a lot of fear. And so the work has been to replace fear with love. So at the time that you and I met, I was on an upward trajectory. I really felt powerful and on purpose and engaged in what I was meant to be engaged in. And simultaneously at the exact same time almost was when my son started doing drugs. And so even though like part of my life was going uphill and things were like looking great and money was coming in, like it had never come in before where I was like, I was the one that was generating this money. It was not like working for someone else. I was generating it with my own intellectual property and my own offerings and all of those things. At the same time, in the background, a couple of things were happening. First of all, my son was starting his drug journey. And secondly, I was fueling a lot of my success. I was getting out ahead of myself, both in investing with mentorship, which I 100% believe in, but I overextended myself. And this is where the self-traumatizing comes in. I overextended myself with credit. So it was like, I always felt like I was on a house of cards, always felt like even though I was outwardly appearing to be very successful and achieving, and there was a part of me that was in such joy to be serving my purpose because I struggled actually for almost seven years before we met, at least seven years before we met, where I felt this massive purpose that I had, this massive calling that I had. And it wasn't just to serve the local people here. It was to serve the whole wide world. And at the same time, you know, I couldn't see how that could happen until we intersected along with several other people around 2009, 2010. And then it was like, oh my God, the prayers are finally answered. I can see the way now to getting there. And, and you know, so that was the beginning of a trajectory that I ended up being heard by millions of people around the world. And I ended up, I had a different name then. I ended up generating almost $2 million from home in my pajamas as a single mom. I was, you know, also doing the laundry and baking the cookies for the football team at the same time and navigating this drugs situation with my son. So that's kind of the before. Yeah. And I love, thank you for that. And then as you're talking, like, I think I want to share this because it's coming to me to share is like, you had many lives before that in terms of your career. Like you had a big career in real estate, right? And like created and led and, you know, I was thinking it was commercial real estate, right? And then, and then you also owned an art, did you own an art, like a store? An art gallery and healing arts center. Right. And, And an artist. So like I share that just because I think 
let's honor our eclectic journeys, right? You know, here on this show. And also, you know, people hear about the, a core part of the work that we did when we intersected was you, was shamanic arts, right? And I didn't know what the fuck that was when we, uh, but I just like, we had some sessions and I, you know, and it, but the shit worked. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's do more. Right. And, uh, you're not the first shaman to have on. We had uh, Kamala Devi, and I think it's episode like two or three, you know, and to come from something that looked normal, right? You know, it's like, I think there is also credibility from the, I tried to do that normal thing, <laughs> right? And then, you know, and then you found your way into being an entrepreneur in a different way where you were selling and marketing and serving your, you know, with your own, your own talents and your own gifts. So- oh. I absolutely was fully bought into the quote unquote, I'll put it in air quotes, the American dream. I, I literally had the White House with the fence and the two cars in the garage and the dog and the husband and the kid. <laughs> and that all blew up, you know, back in 2001 when I went through a spiritual awakening and then ended up with the Art Gallery and Healing Arts Center and left behind the real estate world. So, yes, I've had multiple transitions and totally want to affirm. For the listeners, that number one, first of all, it's very important to break through the cultural conditioning. That is key to begin. That white picket fence. You're not. You, yeah. it's you're like the second guest in as many as weeks to refer to. I had it all, including the white picket fence. It was Alexis Katz, right? So that's part of the cultural conditioning, like the fucking white picket fence. <laughs> and of course, for me, I always think about monogamy and like the whole relationship escalator part of it, right? Because that's where, you know, I blew that shit apart. Yeah. So let's talk about the cultural programming. Is that what you called it? Yeah. Cultural conditioning, cultural programming, you know, especially for women, there's deep cultural programming around how you should behave in relationships, how you should behave in the world, you know, and if we want to tie this a little bit to the wealthy life mentorship body of work, one thing that I know for sure that at least my cohort generation was kind of the generation where there was still a deep steeping in women being the ones who held together the social fabric of community through volunteer service. And so when women are then also being put into the roles of breadwinner and also being, at my, in my case, I was put into the role of single parent, now you're like running multiple roles simultaneously. You're the provider. You have this social expectation that you're going to volunteer. You're attempting to run a business. And a lot of times, especially for women, we end up overgiving and volunteering way too much of our time and energy and under earning. And so, so that was a challenge that I had as well, because I would, you know, when I was in the business, I was just behaving the way I had been culturally conditioned to behave and giving without really having, even though I was generating money and generated plenty of money, I still was over giving of myself, which was also tied into the trauma stuff. But I was overgiving of myself, of my time, of my energy, of my money, without self-awareness of what I actually needed, of what I required in order to actually be thriving rather than sacrificing, self-sacrificing. So yeah, the, the cultural conditioning is pretty entrenched. And you know, of course, we have 
marketers <laughs> to thank for that <laughs> because marketers and advertising people are, you know, they are creating a fantasy reality that is projected out into the world that everybody looks at and thinks, oh, I should be like that in some way. Yes, absolutely. So you were at a new sort of high in your life. And at the same time, there was this other path or other story going on um, for you with your son. So what happened next? Yeah. So, so I was on this trajectory and at the same time he was on the downward spiral, like literally I was going up in the business. So he was in 2010, he would have been just getting into high school. Okay. Just getting into high school. Right. Um, Ironic that I just dropped my kid off at high school <laughs> this morning. Yeah. yeah, he could have been in, in middle. It was like early high school or late middle school time frame. So okay. he was just, you know, probably 12 or 13 years old. And I will say I did not handle it well. I did not handle it well. My family history and his family history on his father's side, both sides just rife with addiction and self-abuse. And so as soon as he started smoking pot, I just, I overreacted. I overreacted. I did not handle it well. And I was very concerned about where he was going with that and ended up that it just got worse and worse. And my son ended up doing every possible drug that you can imagine during this time frame. And even in 2013, was when the suicide attempts started. And so here I am in 2013, I'm now making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, I'm being heard by millions of people around the world, and my own child is a shit show. And I, you know, I call myself a healer, and so now I'm eroding. Internally is this erosion of the belief in my capacity to even be a healer. Because I was like, if I can, how can I call myself a healer? And that peaked in 2015. Like, how can I call myself a healer when I can't even heal my own son? And so there were drugs that happened, Lisa, that, that you don't even know are available. Like, they make things in laboratories that are like one molecule off from LSD or whatever it is that can't be on the schedule on the FDA, DEA, whatever schedule as a drug that's a felony. And it's like literally one molecule off, but it's the same stuff. And there was nights where he would come in. One night he came in, he was on top of me at one o'clock in the morning screaming that we had to go get eggs at the 7-Eleven because he was smoking some stuff that you could buy at the 7-Eleven that was sold as incense, but all the kids were smoking. I mean, like crazy making. It was just crazy making. And then he ultimately ended up into the heroin scene. And that was when things got really bad. And yeah, in 2015, I actually went to another one of the GFR guests, Beth Davis's event. And I raised my hand at that event and said, how can I call myself a healer when I can't even heal my own son? And, and she gave me some really powerful guidance. And she looked right at me and she said, his addiction and his healing is not your business. It's not your business. Wow. And so, yeah, that was huge because it was like, it's not my business, but it's also not my business. It's none of my business. His healing is not my business. So yeah, we had a, a massive, and t- 2015 was my biggest year financially. 
Interesting. My biggest year financially. And, and he was down the wormhole as deep as he could go in 2015. He had gone to rehab. He had been arrested a couple of times, you know, had multiple suicide attempts. It was just a really difficult, very challenging time. And I'll say, here's the other piece I'm going to get fucking real about here is a couple of things. First of all, I tolerated for a long time the dysfunction. I just tolerated it for a long time because that had been, you know, kind of my path was to tolerate dysfunction, to tolerate abuse, to tolerate addiction, to tolerate that, okay, well, I just have to accept this person as they are and make a lot of compromises. I made a lot of compromises at my expense throughout that period of time. And the other thing that I will say is I was so fucking invested in looking good. I just wanted to, you know, I had this projection that I had created out into the world that I knew what the hell I was doing, that I knew how to heal and help people, that I was a successful business owner, that I needed to keep this persona up, that I needed to keep this this engine going right? I needed to keep the engine going because I couldn't figure out how to actually make it work properly so that it was supporting me. Instead, it was another relationship. I had this relationship with my business that was also abusive, where I set myself up so that my business would abuse me. I set myself up so that I was always on the edge of Am I going to have enough money to pay the credit cards this month? And so, yeah, it all came to a big head in early 2016. Okay. So, oh, I thank you so much for your real and raw confession. I just know that so many people are relating to what you're saying of that projection of like ha- so invested in things looking good and I really felt when you were talking about commandment number one, very explicitly around, you know, compromising and tolerating. What are you tolerating? Like commandment number one is don't compromise. And the confession question is, what am I tolerating? And for you, and you said that was your favorite one coming into the show. So I could really see how pervasive that theme was for you in that time in your life. And like, so I just pause and like want to reach through the ear into the ear holes of people listening and saying like, where do you relate to this? Where does this resonate with you? What are you tolerating? And it could be something that you might have not even identified before the show, <laughs> right? I think sometimes like you, like you weren't even, you, at the time you didn't know you were, that was just your life. It was like, you know, fish, you know, being in water and not knowing the waters around. Like you were just so used to that mode, particularly growing up, you know, in that environment that just having your kid be a drug addict was just like, okay, it just is just my life. And which just, I just have to like, Again, like it's really not, there's no accidents that I dropped my kid off at high school this morning. She has never been into school with thousands of kids. You know, I dropped, literally dropped, there was no like poignant picture in front of the school with her friends, you know, first day of high school photo. It was, you know, dropped the kid off. And like, as I was, you know, driving away, seeing like hundreds of kids that look five times her age and just that the gratitude that I have of my kid for today for today 
in my awareness of being emotionally and physically healthy, my heart just goes out to Emerald of the past that was living with that. And to get to the place where you can, like what you know, Beth Davis said to you, that it's not your business, right? Like as to, for a mom, like that's, you know, and I've done studying to the point where I, I'm aware that I don't, my kid, you know, my kid is not me. It's not an extension. You know, like I don't own my kid, like all of this great work, but like to be able to create some distance and at the same time decide that you're not tolerating anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you feel free to respond to anything I yeah. just said. Of course, I want to hear yes. the next piece of the story. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So I think the pieces that I want to drop in here are, first of all, you know, Lisa's question about what are you tolerating? And sometimes you're tolerating the white picket fence life. I mean, there was a point where I was tolerating the white picket fence life. The father of my child was very dysfunctional and highly verbally and emotionally abusive. And it was in the divorce of him and the walking away from the white picket fence. Yeah, white picket fence life. Can't even say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say it anymore that I had my spiritual awakening and this whole journey of single parenting. You know, I think the the important thing to remember is that we also have extremely strong social conditioning around what it means to be a mother. And even though we can talk all day long about, you know, what it means to be a mother, there is strong judgment and strong social expectations that a mother is going to behave in a certain way. And I do want to do a quick little tiny backstory on this because it's part of my son and my journey together. When he was three, he was sexually assaulted in daycare. And my mother-in-law said to me, well, if you hadn't been working, this wouldn't wow. have happened. Oh, my God. <sighs> so I carried for years the feeling of being torn, the feeling of being torn between fulfilling my own destiny and fulfilling my own purpose and mission and being an appropriate and kind and generous and loving and caring and deeply nurturing and deeply connected parent. And so it was a freaking godsend to me in 2008 when I had this calling to serve even more people in the world that the internet came along. That was the fucking blessing and a half. Don't get me wrong. I am so grateful that I've been able to serve my calling, but I spent up until the moment of severance with my son, which happened in 2016, I spent all of those years feeling torn between being the mom I wanted to be, especially since I came from a, a traumatic childhood myself. So I, I felt like I had to overcompensate, right? So right. that, you know, to protect him from all of the stuff that could have gone wrong, which of course ended up going wrong anyway. And to fulfill my own calling and to be the example of somebody who could fulfill their own calling. So this feeling of being torn was very strong for me. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, Lisa, the work has been about self 
forgiveness and about releasing myself from guilt and about literally shedding these culturally assigned roles that are just not real. Like you have shed the culturally assigned role of typical married person, right? That kept you trapped. I was in the culturally assigned role of mother that kept me trapped and not just mother, but really good mother. Like good mother. I was yeah. good mother. mother. You're going to be a good mother. <laughs> oh, so true. Oh my gosh. Okay. So and the emerald that I was then was also a different person. The emerald that I was then is wasn't emerald. There was no emerald then. I had a different name and I was a different, different totally different person as I was going through that, but also carrying all of these stories and roles and experiences. So I guess share with us what led up to you changing your name and this version of you that is with us today. Yeah. So in early 2016, we had another suicide attempt and that was in January. And then we had another suicide attempt in March. And then we had another suicide attempt in April. And at the end of April, it just was getting worse and worse and worse. And he was in like local rehab, but he was also, you know, probably dealing. I can't say that he was for sure, but probably dealing heroin and who knows what. So here's the other piece about the trauma that wants to be added in. In early 2016, as we're going through all of this, my mom hit me upside the head again, like she used to when she was a child. And there was a, an incident where she literally just slapped me hard upside the head. And I took her to the hospital because she had some stuff going on. And when I got to the hospital, she told me she was going to hit me again. And the woman in the hospital who had her in the wheelchair pulled the wheelchair away. And it was the first time in 53 trips around the sun that I had a visceral experience of, oh, I'm not supposed to lean in to abuse. It's actually something that needs to be pulled away from me. So that led to me getting very clear and setting an intention that I was going to uproot myself from the toxic soil of abuse. And on April 30th, I took that day to make ceremony. And I made ceremony on 10 pieces of property in this area where I lived, all these 10 pieces of property where I had lived with abusive, addicted men. And it culminated in the ceremony at my own house. And that night, my son had been on a three-day bender of craziness. And that night, I went down to check on him because he was passed out cold. He was either passed out cold for like hours or he was enraged for hours. That was the cycle for three days. And he was passed out cold. And I said, okay, I can't really deal with him right now. I'm going to just go journal my day of ceremony. And then about 1030 that night, I heard noises in the basement. I came back down. But when I had gone down earlier, I had seen his computer was open and he was ordering heroin and fentanyl online using Bitcoin. And so I went down into the basement because I heard the noise and he went crazy and he said, leave me the fuck alone. And if for the first time in all of these years of all of this drug use and all this craziness and all of these compromises and all of this trying to make it all fixed and trying to correct his deviant behavior and all of it. 
I just stood there and I said, buddy, I can't leave you the fuck alone. You're ordering heroin and fentanyl online using Bitcoin. And that was literally like putting the match to the gasoline. And he went crazy. He hit me upside the head, threw me on the couch, was on top of me and said he was going to cut me up in little pieces and throw me in the river. And in that moment, there wasn't a fucking thing that I could do other than go into my inner realm. I went in deep into meditation. He got off of me and he was on the computer doing his things. And I was just sitting in the chair in the, in the sofa. It was like a king size sofa in the corner. And I just went deep into meditation and I could feel the presence of the source with me. And I just started to be present with where I was in that moment. And I, the only prayer I had was if tonight's the night I'm dying, I just hope it doesn't hurt too much. Like that's my only prayer is that it's not going to hurt too much. Eventually he left the room to go upstairs to go to the bathroom and I was able to get out and I ran to the forest and I called the police and the first guy who, who came to get me out of the forest, his name, you, you can't even make this shit up because it's so fucking mythic. His name was Officer Friend. Officer Friend came oh and got me God. out of the forest. Oh I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Seriously? Are you fucking kidding me? Officer Friend. And then the second officer that came, he said to me, well, this is a felony. This is felony kidnapping. And the first thing that came across my mind was, oh, my God, I can't send my son away for felony kidnapping. And he was asking me to tell the story. Like, I had to tell the story to Officer Friend. I had to tell the story to him. And then he said, well, we've got to take it to the detectives because it's the next level. It's a felony. And I was like, oh, my God. And so I was frozen, couldn't speak. And he looked at me and he said, this was the real GFR moment in my life. He looked at me and he said, if you don't tell the detectives what happened, this will be your life. And I was like, oh, no fucking way. This is not going to be my life. I can't do it anymore. This is not my life. I can't do it anymore. And let the chips fall where they may. If my kid ends up being felony kidnap charge, that's just, it is what it is. And so I told the story again to the detectives. And by that point, they had taken him out of the house and had him arrested and put him in jail. And they wouldn't let me back in the house until the next day because they had to go get evidence and all the stuff. And it was three days later that I was sitting in meditation after the explosion had happened. And I heard bubbling up from my heart center, you're emerald now, which I wasn't, I fucking wasn't expecting that after that whole thing. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I have, I've changed my name before. I wasn't expecting this, but okay. And so then the, the next day I was like, okay, do I have a new last name? Mm-hmm. And I got, yep, your last name's Green Forest. And then by the third day, my middle name came in. It was Emerald Peaceful Green Forest. And I was at the courthouse changing my name that day. Yeah. And I think I just want to tie that up a little bit to make sure that people are aware that we made it through the whole journey. We did make it through and he's well now and he's got his own life. And we talked, we even had a text last night, but it was a fucking nightmare. That's for sure. And, you know, the whole time I was pretending I had this big fucking successful business going on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which I did to a certain extent. And then 
when I became Emerald Green Forest, the business that had been built around the person I had been before, Amethyst Wildfire, that container couldn't hold Emerald Green Forest. It, and so the business just plummeted, went down to that year. I think I made 100000 And 2017, I didn't make any money at all. I didn't make any money at all. I made money making, I rented my house on Airbnb. And I made enough money on Airbnb to pay the mortgage. Thank God. I love Airbnb. And it's been a, you know, recreation. I've been in evolution and a recreation. Part of it was just embodying Emerald Peaceful Green Forest, which is a whole nother vibration. It's a whole nother way of being in the world. It's a whole shift in the fabric of reality. And then deciding, well, what do I want to do? Who do I want to serve? How do I want to show up in the world? And you know, I'm, I'm going to say that all of the lessons were of value. Everything I learned was of value. I wouldn't wish it on another person, that's for sure. It was hard. And it was terrifying. And it was traumatizing. And I'm still unpacking it. And I, you know, I feel better than I ever have in my whole life. And I just did something the other day where I've been tolerating abusive behavior from another family member. And I finally confronted him. And so I'm so much better now at being able to feel what I'm feeling. And I'm so much better now at being able to express and say what I'm experiencing as this is what's happening. And I think that police officer, that sergeant that night, I can tell you a thousand percent he was an angel in blue. You're telling you this will be your life. If you don't press charges, this will be your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for living that so that you could share it with us, surviving that, thriving through that. So you could share that with us. If I could say that for every one of our guests. And I really mean it from the bottom of my heart because so much to learn and so much that you learn so that you can teach it. Right. And that's the commonality of all of these stories on the Get Fucking Real show is that we are mission based entrepreneurs, which means we are going through what we're going through for the purpose of the next expression of how we're going to help people in the world. So in sort of our final little segment here, share with us how the wealthy life mentor, like how you came to really see that body of work, like the lessons that you learned and how that was the next expression of your body of work, because it's not obvious. And I think that, you know, and I say to people, like when you're going through your wormhole, it is going to serve your next level of work and you likely don't see that. Right. Yeah. So if we could, you know, share that piece of it. So, so that listeners can maybe looking for, you know, looking at their own stories and putting some of the pieces together, even if they're in the middle of it. Yeah. So what I got clear on in the wormhole was that there's a difference between like this projected wealthy life and an authentic wealthy life. And I also got clear in the wormhole and it was actually, you know, a couple of weeks before the night in the basement, I went and did my first talk. So it's funny how these things overlap as you're evolving. Like I actually did my first talk talking about the five ways that we ward off wealth had happened like two weeks before. And one of the ways I took the people through this process of helping them to release it and shed it. And anybody who's going to be in the GFR squad, we're going to have some exclusive content 
after this for the GFR squad members talking specifically about the five ways that we ward off wealth. But what I was able to discover is that in order to have an authentic, wealthy life, we have to be really looking at the full fabric of our life. And so in my case, I had this split. I had this like appearance of being successful on the outside while everything was a shit show on the inside, you know, in, in the private life. And a truly wealthy life that you create that's a work of art has everything is on the table and everything is being attended to in equal measure in order for you to be able to thrive. Because being in abundance in one area and scarcity in another is not a wealthy life. And so that's pretty much how the Wealthy Life Mentor emerged is this body of work actually began back then. And I've just been nurturing it along and nurturing myself along until we, you know, we're here at this point and who knows where we're going from here. But what I'm very clear on is that whenever we are in this entrepreneurial zone and we are making a mark in the world, like you are with GFR, I think of my website and my business as like an altar upon which I am playing. And so you are going to just get more and more fucking real (laughs) as time goes on. You're just going to keep getting realer and realer. And I am creating my life like a work of art. And that's going to be my journey as the Wealthy Life Mentors. I am in the creation of an intentional delivery into the world of the model of a wealthy life. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes, you are. And I feel you. I feel you so deeply in your authenticity and congruency. And that to me is somebody that I want to be closer to, that I want to know, that I want to learn from. And it's not somebody who is damaged goods or not credible or any of those stories that we tell ourselves when we hide those parts of ourselves. So thank you for your willingness to get real with us. Do you have a final thought for our beautiful listeners? Yeah, I think that the final thought that I would offer is no matter how traumatic the experience that you are in presently might appear, that there is a way out. And the deepest and most profound way out that I found, even literally out of the basement, was to surrender. Like I stopped, I didn't fight him. I couldn't change him, I couldn't fix it, I couldn't fight it. All I had left was to surrender. And so I surrendered my life as Amethyst Wildfire was surrendered. She went to heaven that night. She died that night. She died in the basement that night so that Emerald Peaceful Green Forest could be born. Mm. Yeah. So be willing to die to what doesn't serve you, no matter how attached you think you might be to it, and surrender. Let yourself surrender. Beautiful. Beautiful words to end. It's been an honor to be in this space with you and to yet again revolve around the sun and our missions and our purpose and our lives to 
come together on this day where I took my kids to high school to hear about your journey as a mother and what I know my, you know, all of our journeys as mothers are never ending and so transformative as is our business. And I just, I'm really thrilled to get to share your story. So thank you, Emerald, peaceful green forest. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye for now. Okay, the gauntlet has been thrown down around commandment number one and the confession question that goes with it. What are you tolerating? Take a deeper dive. Take a look under the stones and the rocks that you have not looked under in your life. Take a deeper dive into getting real. What are you tolerating? It's amazing what we get used to. Right? I mean, it's like the mess in our garage that we walk by every day that we don't even notice anymore. You know, it's that pain in our back that we just go, oh, uh, you know, I've tried a couple things. I guess I need to live with it. It's, there's so many things in our life that we tolerate that we think are normal. So I'm going to second Emerald's challenge to really take another look to see what you're tolerating. And of course, that is commandment number one of our 12 GFR commandments. And if that one question about what are you tolerating intrigues you, I invite you to check out the other 11 confession questions. So go grab your copy of the 12 GFR commandments. And I want to let you know how to stay in touch with Emerald and to grab her really awesome wealth resistance assessment. Go Grab that link in our show notes to her wealth resistant assessment, and you'll see actually, and you'll learn which of the five ways that you are warding off wealth. It was very enlightening, actually, even for me. I just love her take on it, and she's earned the right to share about this. And that's what I most love about these wormhole stories and the wormhole certification that they are the flag that they are flying of their wormhole certification, which I know many of you are also wormhole certified. All right, until next time. Have a good one.